Good morning. Good morning, Great Oaks. Woo, that was, that was good, wasn't it? Amen. Oh, time, time with the Lord was amazing. Um, so a few summers ago, my family and I took a vacation to the Blue Ridge Mountains in Georgia. Uh, as part of that trip, we traveled in the South Carolina and we went whitewater rafting. Now, I can tell you that this was not that challenging of a river to go down. And that, I can prove that by showing you that um, I'm the guy on the back of the boat guiding us down the river. Um, uh, it was a great river. It was a great trip. I think the biggest rapid was a level category three, if you know anything about whitewater rafting. Um, and that was that category three actually right there at the end of the route that we were on. I think one of the things that I learned the most about that whitewater rafting trip um, was a bit about our family dynamics as we tried to get that raft down the river. I can tell you that on that trip, our, our special talents and gifts and abilities came to the forefront as we paddled down that river. Now, if you don't know anything about whitewater rafting, the way this works is this. In order to get down the river, basically what everybody in the boat needs to do is listen to the guy on the back of the boat. If you listen to the guy in the back of the boat, you're going to go, okay. Um, what I can tell you is that we didn't always do the best at that. Um, so if you don't know anything about whitewater rafting, so in order to get the boat to go left, right, the guy in the boat would say, okay, everybody on the right paddle. If you want the boat to go right, you say, everybody on the left paddle. If you want the boat to go forward, everybody needs to paddle equally. If you need to spin the boat in a circle which we had to do a couple times down the river, which you're technically not supposed to have to do, um, then you have the people on the right paddle forward and the people on the left paddle backwards. That's, that's how this is supposed to work. Now, as I said, it was an interesting experiment in family dynamics and the manner in which our gifts and talents and abilities rose to the surface. I could tell you at times we struggled to get this raft down the rapids. See, at times I would give a command and parts of my family would not always follow. My wonderful wife would yell at the kids to listen to Dan, Dad in her very panicked voice. My strong daughter, Elizabeth, would yell out an opposite command uh, because I was doing it wrong. Um, my oldest and imaginative son, Joshua, would sometimes forget that we were actually in a boat because um, he was looking at the beautiful scenery, so he would forget to paddle. And then Micaiah, my youngest, who sometimes gets confused with directions, forgot what was his right and his left. And then myself as the guide... And the strong leader that I am would second-guess myself and give another command that was opposite of what I just commanded, causing more confusion. It was a great trip. <laughs> Seriously, we would do it again in a heartbeat. Uh, I, I am glad to report nobody drowned, and we didn't kill ourselves in the process or kill each other in the process, I should say. Now, I'm sharing that story, though, because what I learned from that experience is this. In any team endeavor, it is hugely important that everyone is playing their part. In order to achieve any goal, it is vital that we are all paddling with all of our might and, and playing the role that God has asked us to play. See, when we fail to do our role, all of a sudden we began to spin in circles. When we failed to follow directions, we ended up stuck on a rock in the middle of the rapids. And actually, if you go back to that picture, that was actually right before we got stuck on a rock and that last rapid. And I say all this because everybody playing their part is not just true in whitewater rafting or in any organized sport. It's also true for the church. You might not know this, but the church is the ultimate team sport where every single person has a, a role to play, where every single person has been gifted and entrusted to serve one another. This is especially true when life gets hard, when we fail, face difficulties of every kind, 
This is true when we are approaching the rapids of life and, and our raft ends up going around in circles or we get stuck on a rock. Because the bottom line this morning is this, serving in your giftedness will make you and the church healthy. You and I playing the part that God has called us to play in our giftedness will make you and the church healthy. If you are here last week, Pastor Jason um, reminded us as we came out of a very successful community bash of our mission, which is to connect everyone with Jesus, community, and purpose. That's where we're headed. That's the direction. That's how we're heading down that river, over those rapids. Now, as we were processing his message this last week, we realized we missed one important thing. And as we're focusing on connecting everyone with Jesus, community, and purpose, as we get outside these walls and bless our community, one of the byproducts of as we bless our community is that we also bless ourselves. As we serve out there, we also serve one another. As we try to see families get healthy, as we see marriages improve and parenting and child relationships improve, you know what also gets improved here? Our marriages, our relationships with one another. As we try to build a culture of, of five to one with our children and our youth, right, where every child has got five loving adults who care for them and love them and point them to Jesus, you know also benefits from that? Our kids, our students, as they develop that five to one. And so as we get outside these walls, we also serve one another here. And so as we talk about this idea of, of that we are gifted to serve one another, there's a passage of God's word that I, that I want to look at this morning that I think will help us think differently about how we serve in our giftedness in a way that makes us healthy. So if you would, turn your Bible to the book of 1 Peter. We're going to be in chapter 4, verses 8 through 11. Uh, if you don't have a Bible, it's totally fine. The words will be up on the screen, and I'm reading from the NIV this morning. Starting off in verse 11, it says this, or verse 8, I'm sorry, it starts this. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each of you should use whatever gift you've received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides, so that in all things, God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. Before we explore this a little bit more, let's just pray. God, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you that every word is given from you to grow us as individuals and as a church as we fall deeply, madly in love with you, Jesus. God, I pray that as we explore your word now that you would speak that you would change us from the inside out, that we would leave here different people than when we came in. We're going to give you all the glory and all the praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, in order to do this passage justice, I feel like I need to give you a bit of background. The book of 1 Peter was written by a guy named Peter, uh, who was one of the early disciples of Jesus. And during the time that he's writing this book, a great persecution has broken out against the church of Jesus. In fact, the common theme of the book of 1 Peter is that your suffering is worth it. The book teaches that while God does not cause suffering, he uses it to refine us and shape us and mold us into the image of Jesus. And in the midst of this suffering and persecution, Peter writes these words to encourage this group of followers of Jesus. Now, as we think about persecution, I don't think today in this country we are facing 
the same level of persecution that these people were facing. I know there might be some of you in this room that would argue that as Christians in the United States today, we're being persecuted for our beliefs. But, but listen, I'm not aware of any follower of Christ in this country today who's being hung on a cross for our beliefs. However, that's not to say that we don't face hardships. That's not to say that we don't face difficulties. You and I, we've all faced times that, where life doesn't feel good where we might feel like the world is closing in around us. Maybe you've lost a job. Maybe you're dealing with some health challenges. Maybe you're a student and you're getting bullied in school or have a job and getting bullied at work. Maybe stuff at home is not going very well. And while you're not facing a persecution, you're still facing some dark days. And in the context of that, Peter's saying, hey, listen, church, I know it looks bad. But you've got to remember that you have each other. Here's what I mean by that. Do this for me. I want you to close your eyes. And I want you to think about a time where you faced some dark times. Where you maybe felt like the world was closing in around you. Where you were facing that that challenge. And then I want you to imagine what it would look like that in the midst of that dark time, the midst of that challenge, you experienced community like Peter's describing that you experience a deep love from others. Not a a fake love, but a love so deep that that basically it covered a multitude of sins. Basically what that means is that that as as people were sinning against each other, they loved each other so deeply, deeply that they forgave one another, that you're experiencing that kind of love. I want you to imagine experiencing in the midst of that darkness a hospitality where people are welcoming you into their home, giving you a warm meal, Maybe even a couch to crash on as life is hard. And then I want you to imagine somebody coming alongside and and serving you. Meeting a need that you can't meet yourself. Maybe coming alongside and and doing some household chores for your, or mowing the lawn or something like that in the midst of that dark time. You can open your eyes. I don't know about you, but that's the kind of community I want to be a part of. Those are the kind of relationships that I want to be a part of where we get to experience a deep love and hospitality and service for one another, especially in the midst of hard times, especially in the midst of those rapids and times where your raft is going around in circles and you don't know how you're going to go forward. But here's the thing. In order to experience that kind of community, you and I can't wait around for that kind of community to just happen. If we're just waiting around waiting to receive love, waiting to receive hospitality, waiting to receive service, it will never happen. The way that we experience that kind of community is that we have to understand that you and I are uniquely gifted for time and purpose to create that kind of community. The only way that that kind of community gets created is when we go and love one another deeply, when we go and show hospitality to one another, when we go and serve one another. So if we're going to be part of that community, if we're going to be that kind of healthy place where that kind of stuff happens, we have to understand that you are gifted, uniquely gifted to create that kind of place. Because serving in your giftedness will make you and the church healthy. Now, I believe to the core of my being that you are not here by accident. You are here with a purpose. And we as a church are not as complete as we could be if you're not using your gifts, your talents, your abilities to serve others. And when I'm talking about the church, I'm not talking about the leadership. 
I'm not talking about the structure of the church. I'm not talking about the mission of the church. I'm not talking about our leadership team, our executive team, or our staff. The church is basically the gathering of people. You guys are the church. And listen, we need each other. We need each other desperately. In order to be the place that God is calling us to be, we need each other. But you know what? As we think about this idea of serving one another, like many things, I think we get confused. I think we get confused what it looks like to serve one another well. We get lost. and We're not sure where to begin and what it looks like. But Peter's words to us offer a great encouragement of what it looks like to serve one another well. And so with our remaining time, I want to just challenge us to get a little bit more healthy as we serve one another. And so I've got five points today. Don't worry, we're not going to be here forever. I promise. The first way that we, you and I get healthy is we have to open our gifts. Now this may seem rather simple, but sometimes that simplest of concepts are the most profound. In the beginning of verse 10, Peter writes, it says, Each of you should use whatever gift you've received to serve others. Well, what is that idea? What is that gift? When he talks about a gift, what is he talking about? The Greek word that's used there is the word charisma, which used in other parts of the New Testament refers to the gifts that are given by the Holy Spirit that some may refer to talents or abilities. And the teaching here in this place and other places of Scripture is that each one should use whatever gift you've received. Now, I want you to notice it doesn't say, if you have a gift, use it. It says, each one, meaning every follower of Jesus Christ has been given a special gift from the Holy Spirit to, use, to be used to serve others. And I want to say this because some of you in this room believe that you are not gifted. You might be sitting here and you're like, I don't know if, if, if God has gifted me to serve one another in the church. I don't know if I have anything to offer one another. I mean, I see people doing things like singing songs and preaching words, and I can't do anything like that. I'm not gifted that way. And I want you to know that that is just a bunch of hogwash. It is just simply not true. If you have a relationship with Jesus, Jesus, through the Holy Spirit, is giving you gifts. But here's the problem that I think many of us have. Many of us just don't know how we're gifted. We, we might actually believe, yeah, I know I'm gifted, but we just don't know how we're gifted. And so let me talk about, like, how to, what does it look like to open that gift? Well, the first thing you've got to know, what are the gifts that are available? Now, if you look through the, the Bible, there's not any specific passage that lists all of the spiritual gifts. There's some that are mentioned in the book of 1 Corinthians, or some that are mentioned in the book of Romans, some in the book of Ephesians. There's not one, like, huge list, like, hey, look at this book, here's all the lists. Now, there's scholars, though, that have poured over scriptures, and, and basically they came up with, if you like lists, there's people that have put together lists of the spiritual gifts. And so let me just talk about what those gifts could be. This isn't an end-all, be-all list. Some of you might like, well, what about this? I think this is a gift. We could talk about that later. But here's kind of the general ones. The, the first one is the gift of administration. The gift of administration is basically that you can administrate things. You can manage processes and programs. There's a the gift of discern, apostleship, which is the gift of starting things like starting ministries. The gift of discernment is about discerning between right and wrong, good and evil. The gift of evangelism is the gift of, of being able to supernaturally share your faith. Exhortation is the gift of encouragement. The gift of faith is basically a, a spiritual gift where people just, just radically trust Jesus no matter what. The gift of giving is people that are radically generous. The gift of healing is being able to pray over people and they experience physical healing. 
The gift of interpretation is tied to the gift of tongues, which we'll talk about a bit, but it's the gift of being able to interpret a language that is unknown to the, to the hearer. The gift of knowledge is a, getting a word from the Lord. The gift of leadership, being able to provide leadership to things. The gift of mercy, being able to offer kindness to people in need. The gift of miracles, right, seeing God do miraculous things. The gift of, of pastor shepherd is walking alongside people, caring for them and discipling them. The gift of prophecy there's a piece of that that's kind of like future telling, but more importantly, it's about truth telling. Uh, the gift of service is, is a gift of basically where you just come alongside and, and kind of behind the scenes do things. The gift of teaching, obviously, is, is being able to present to others. The gift of tongues is speaking a language unknown to the speaker. And the gift of wisdom is the, is the gift of just knowing the right course of action. So again, this isn't an end-all, be-all list, but these are some of the gifts. Now, you might be looking at it, it's like, I don't, I don't know what my gifts, I don't know if I have any of those. How, how do I know what my gifts are? Well, let me give you three ways that you can open that gift. First, the thing I'd encourage you to do is attend our serve class. Our next serve class is coming up on September 17th. And in that class, we're going to talk about your gifts. We'll give you an assessment and help you figure out how you might be gifted. In that class, we'll also do a little bit of some personality stuff and then also helping you figure out your passion and what makes you tick, and kind of figure out specifically where those areas of service that might be for you. The other thing I might encourage you to do to open up your gift is uh, I might encourage you to meet with someone else. Have a conversation with someone. Ask them, hey, how do you see that, how God has gifted me? What traits, what gifts do you see in me? Have that conversation. The third thing I'd say is I'd encourage you just to try some stuff. One of the ways we figure out what we're good at is we just try to do things. And so this morning, I'm going to give you instructions later on, but we've got a ministry fair happening with all of the different kind of service areas we have here at Great Oaks. And one of the ways that you can figure out your gift is just signing up for a team, trying to do some things, start serving, and you're like, hey, you start serving somewhere, and you're like, hey, I, this, I come alive when I do this. This is joyful to me. I'm good at this. And you might think this is a gift. Or you might try something, you're like, I'm terrible at that. And then that might be said, that's not your gift. Stop doing that. <laughs> so I would encourage you to, to open up your gift. And, and here's the piece of why this is important, right? Because when we do that, we come alive. When we start serving in our giftedness, we come alive. So the first thing is you've got you to gotta open up your gift. The second way that we get healthy is that we have to learn to embrace diversity. We have to embrace diversity. Here's what I mean by that. If you, if you look at verse 10... It says, each of you should use whatever gift you've received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms, he says. And then later on in verse 11, he says, if anyone speaks, they should do so as the one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides. He says, grace in its various forms. And then he talks about if one speaks or if one serves. And so what we see in this is there's a diversity of spiritual gifts in the body of Christ. There, there's, there's different gifts that God has granted to people. And in the church, we need everybody to be functioning in their gifts in different ways. We need people that can lead. We need people who can speak. We need people that are great at making music and, and melting your face like Dave does on Sunday mornings. We need people that are great at encouragement and people that are good at telling the truth. In order for the church to function well, for us to be healthy, we need everybody to function in their giftedness. But we have to embrace diversity to make that happen. See, here's one of the problems that often happens in the church when we talk about spiritual gifts. There's three things we typically do that I see this happen all the time in every church I've been in. 
The first thing that we do in not embracing diversity and gifts is we do what we call projection. Projection looks like this. I've been gifted this way, in a supernatural way, and therefore everybody else needs to be gifted the exact same way. So for example, you might have the gift of, of prayer. I don't have it on the list, but one of the gifts is like, I'm just good at intercessory prayer. I just love praying for people. I, I come alive when I'm praying for people. And then oftentimes what happens is like we, we have this idea that everybody needs to pray just as much as I pray. Or you might have the gift of evangelism. I'm just gifted at sharing my faith. I can do that just supernaturally. People come to Christ when I tell them about Jesus. And then we have this idea like everybody needs to share their faith as much as I'm doing. Or it might be the gift of encouragement, right? I'm great at encouraging people, so everybody needs to be as encouraging as I am. But the problem with that is that even though all of us are called to share our faith, and all of us are called to pray, and all of us are called to be encouraging, the church, each person is gifted differently to do that. And so we've got to be careful we're not projecting on others. When we embrace diversity, we understand, oh, you're different than I am, and that's good because the church needs it that way. The other thing we do with spiritual gifts when we don't embrace diversity is we elevate. Here's what I mean by that, and this happens naturally. We, we elevate certain gifts above others, and typically what ends up happening in any church, the gifts that are up on the platform are the ones we elevate. Well, he's, he's preaching the Word of God. He's got to be more important, or he's singing a song. got to be more important, but listen, every gift is equally important. The person who's setting up a chair on Sunday morning is just as important as the person preaching the Word of God. The person who's brewing the coffee is just as important as the person singing. In fact, some of you are going to say the person brewing the coffee is more important. <laughs> I'm sure. Don't, per- don't elevate that gift. Okay. We've we got to make sure that we're not elevating certain gifts above other gifts. They're all vitally important. The third thing that we do is we reject. Rejection looks like this. We open up our box. We open up that gift, we look inside of that thing, and we go, really? That's my gift? That gift sucks. Can I just, can I have another gift? I want that gift over there. That one looks better. But when we reject a gift, we're we're missing out on how God has gifted you. And when you reject that gift in you, you don't know that that gift might be needed for somebody else in the church. For example, you you might have the gift of service. This is the one that typically, like, people are like, really, I just like to come alongside and do, like, menial tasks. Like, that's how I'm gifted. You don't know if that, the person across the room needs you to serve them in a profound way. So don't reject the gift that God has given to you. But this is what we do. We don't embrace diversity, and we project, and we elevate, and we reject the gifts. So to, to, serve, uh, to serve well, we need to make sure that we're embracing diversity. The, the third way we get healthy is we've got to learn to serve faithfully. We serve faithfully. In verse 10, each of you should use whatever gift you've received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace. As a faithful steward of God's grace. What's that word steward mean? Stewardship biblically just means a manager. A manager is someone who takes something that is not theirs and manages it for somebody else's glory. And to be a faithful steward of our gifts means that we are, we are taking care of what is already God's. I mean, that's, that's the reality. To serve faithfully means that we need to understand that our gifts are actually not our gifts. Now, now here's the hard part for us. As Americans, right, we, we think that when we get, are given a gift, there's a transfer of ownership. Like when we have a birthday or a Christmas, right, like somebody gives you a gift and it was, used to be yours and now it's mine, right? And so I get to own that gift. That's how we like to think about things. As Americans, we love to own stuff. 
We think we own everything, right? We own our bank account and our homes and our cars and our clothes and, and all the gifts that we've been given are ours. But that's not how God's economy works. We are just faithful stewards. We are managers of the things that God has given to us. And we manage them as God sees fit. And the same is true with our abilities, with our talents. They are God-given to be used for His purposes, not our own. Unfortunately, when it comes to the ownership of things, though, we're like toddlers. Anybody raised some toddlers in the room? A couple of you? I've raised three, right? And so sometimes when it comes to this idea of ownership, we like to act like toddlers. And toddlers' um, rules of acquisition are like this. I like, if I like it, it's mine. If it's in my hand, it's mine. If I can take it from you, it's mine. If I had it a little while ago, even though I don't have it right now, but I had it a while ago, it's still mine. If it's mine, it must never appear to be yours in any way. If I'm doing or building something, all the pieces connected to it are mine. If it looks just like mine, it's obviously mine. And if I saw it first, it's mine. This is how we typically deal with our spiritual gifts, our talents and our abilities. We believe that everything that we have is, is mine to see fit to do with. I got this ability and this gift and now I get to use them to benefit my situation. Let me put it in this way. Let's say, for example, that you're a business owner and that you have a very entrepreneurial leader, uh, style, right? Like you, you're just good at starting things and you're successful at that. You're like, man, I've got this ability, this talent just to start things. And you're like, okay, so I've got this entrepreneurial spirit. I'm going to use it so that I can start a business and I'm going to make lots of money and I'm going to have a very comfortable lifestyle. But maybe that gift of entrepreneurship is not entrepreneurship, it's apostleship. And you've been gifted to start ministries that serve, that serve God's purposes and not your own. Maybe you have the gift of leadership and you're able just to, to inspire others to do great things and you're going to inspire people to make sure that you're building your kingdom. But that gift of leadership is supposed to be used in benefiting others and serving the church. So my question is, are we faithfully stewarding those gifts that God has given to us? Are we, are we doing, using those gifts to benefit ourselves or to benefit God and his kingdom? The fourth way that we get healthy is we serve in God's power. It says, if anyone speaks, they should do so, with, uh, do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength that God provides. Let's be honest. Sometimes service in the church can feel exhausting. It can feel draining. You can serve for a long time and you can get a little crispy. I've been there. Oftentimes the reason we get crispy is because we are serving in our own strength and not in the strength that God provides. It reminded me of the first time I ever spoke publicly in a church. I got this opportunity to share my Jesus story, the, the story of my salvation. Um, if you don't know my story, I came to Christ at a church plant. So it's a brand new church that was serving the University of Minnesota college students. And this church plant was started from a big church in Minneapolis. And one Sunday, the, the, the lead pastor of the big church asked my little church to come and be part of their worship service. And so basically we went to the big church, uh, our worship team played, our pastor shared a message, and my pastor asked me, hey, would you just come and share your story? Talk about how, how Jesus moved in your life and how you came to faith. And so I was like, yeah, that sounds great, I'll do that. So I showed up on that first Sunday and I walk into this building and I'd never been there before and it's this huge big mega church. And I was nervous and shaken in my boots. And I'm like, what have I gotten myself into? Where's the door? I want to go, go the other way. And as we're sitting there praying uh, in worship, I, I just had a moment. I'm like, God, just, 
God, I need you. Would you fill me with your strength right now? I need your power. And as we were getting ready, to, as I was getting ready to go up on stage and share my story, uh, the worship team sang a song called Show Your Power. It's all a song about just emptying ourselves and asking God to, to move and work in our midst. And so I, I, we're singing the song, and as we're singing the song, I just felt the, the Holy Spirit come over me. And my nervousness and my fear just went away. And I walked into peace. And I got up and I shared my, my story. And it went great. And after that service was over, we had a lot of people coming up. It, I should back up. So that, that church, this, the, the sending church, was pretty traditional. And the church that, we had, we're, that I was a part of was pretty rocking. Like we had a full rock band in front of church like we do on Sunday mornings. And so a lot of people in the church came up and said, man, love the message, hated the worship. <laughs> but we see what God is doing as we see stories like Paul's being told. And so that's the story that got told that Sunday. And I share that because it was not about me serving in my strength. It was all about God moving and working in, in my life. And so as we serve in our giftedness, it's not just about serving. It's about learning to serve in the supernatural power of God. But you know what often happens when it comes to service? We get complacent. Maybe that first time we're serving, like, I'm, I'm shaking in my boots. I don't know how to do this, so we're praying, God, fill me with your power. But then after a while, all of a sudden, we learn that we can play an instrument fairly well. Or I can put a kid's lesson together. Or I can brew that mean pot of coffee pretty well. And all, before we know it, all of a sudden we're relying on our own strength and we're going, I got this. And we forget to remember to ask God to come in and fill us with his spirit and his power every single time we're serving. So whether we're brewing coffee or, or giving a message or leading on the worship team or serving with kids or serving in their community or being with our family, whatever it looks like, are we asking God, God, I need you to fill me with your power and your spirit right now because I can't do this on my own. So the way we get healthy is we've got to remember that we're serving in his strength and not our own. The fifth and the final way we get healthy is that we don't serve for ourselves. We also don't serve for one another. We serve for God's glory. Verse 11, if anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength that God provides, so that. Here's the thing. Anytime you see a phrase like that, so that, what's coming after the so that is the most important thing. And what Peter says is we do all these things so that in all things, what? God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. What Peter's saying is, you know what, we do this not for us, ourselves, for each other. We do this for God's glory. And so as we're serving, are we, are we serving for our glory or for his? Are, are we serving so that God would be praised through our teaching? Would God be uh, praised through our worship? Would God be praised as I'm mixing sound or setting up chairs or making coffee? We have to remember that we're doing this for, for his glory as an audience of one. And so we also got to remember that we're doing it for him. And not for ourselves. As we get ready to wrap up, I want to leave you with one other thought. In verse 11, he says that, in, so in all things, God may be praised through Jesus Christ. You know something interesting? But this idea of serving one another out of love was not really present in the Old Testament. It wasn't even present in Greek and Roman culture. Serving one another in those cultures was always seen as a negative thing. It was not until Jesus that the idea of serving one another became a thing. 
Before I was in full-time ministry, I worked at a university in St. Louis. And each year, I had the opportunity to supervise a staff of students. Each year, we would go through two weeks of nonstop training. And then right before the rest of the students would get there, I'd gather my staff together in a room together. And I'd read a story found in the Gospel of John. If you don't know about John's Gospel, John's account of Jesus' life is different than the other three Gospels because he focuses on the love of Jesus. Even his depiction of the final meal that Jesus has with his disciples is different. While the other three focus on the breaking of bread and the wine, John focuses on another part of the story to demonstrate the amazing love that Jesus will pour out for you and for me. John focuses on another gift that Jesus offers. And in John chapter 13, we read this amazing story. Jesus gets up from the meal. He ties a towel around his waist, pours water into a basin, and proceeds to wash the disciples' feet, and then he dries them with the towel. Peter, who writes the words we read today, protests. He's like, Jesus, surely not. You are the king, you're the Messiah, you're the Savior. Jesus, you cannot do this. For Peter and the disciples, what Jesus is about to do was typically done by the servants. It was done by the slaves. Cleaning someone's feet was done by the lowest of the low. It was demeaning because in that day and age, people didn't wear shoes. They wore sandals. Their feet were exposed to dirt and to animal feces and to human waste. And here you have Jesus washing their feet. Jesus tells Peter, no, I need you to do this. I need to do this. And he proceeds to wash Peter's feet. Jesus goes on and tells him that I'm doing this to set an example for you. What I'm doing for you right now and serving you, do for each other. So with my staff every year, I would gather them around. I would read that story. And then I would wash their feet. And I did it as a symbol of how I would lead them, but also how I wanted them to serve the students they would come in contact with. But as I close, I want to reflect a bit on that foot washing scene in one more way. Peter writes in our passage, it's faithful stewards of God's grace. Steward of God's grace. He's saying, be a manager of God's grace. You see, for Peter, he did not just witness Jesus' love and service with foot washing. He witnessed Jesus' love in a more profound way when he saw Jesus nailed to the cross. He experienced God's grace and mercy when after Peter denied Jesus three times, Jesus restores him. The foot washing for Peter was not just a symbol of servanthood. You see, he sees Jesus' act of service when his friend and Savior goes to a, a Calvary, when he goes to die on the cross. And so when Peter writes, be a faithful steward of God's grace to serve one another in giftedness, he's saying, when you do this well, we point others to the grace and the love and the mercy of Jesus Christ. When we serve one another well, we point others to God who loved us so much that he sent his son to die on a cross for you and for me. And at the end of the foot washing scene, Jesus states in verse 17, now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Do you know, church, that you are part of a great story? The greatest story ever told of a God who came down from heaven to live amongst us, to love us and to serve us and to save us so we could experience the overwhelming joy of being in his presence. 
And I stated at the beginning, when we serve in our giftedness, the church gets healthy. But we also as individuals get healthy because we get to be part of the most amazing story ever told. As we get to be a part of seeing people find life and hope in Jesus Christ. We get to be part of this epic journey. As we get to experience people finding love in Jesus Christ for the first time. And when we do that, we get healthy. And we get blessed. Because we get to go, God, I can't believe I'm a part of that. I, get, I can't believe that I get to be part of this. This is so amazing, God. Thank you. That's how we get healthy. Church, when we're serving in our giftedness, we get healthy. God gets the glory. And we point others to Jesus. So listen, will you get healthy today? Because you're gifted and we need each other to serve. Open your gift. Embrace diversity, save faith, serve faithfully in his power, and give God the glory. As we get ready to wrap up, I do want to give you a chance to respond. There's three ways that you can respond this morning. In your chair this morning, there was a little card that says gifted on it. And on the back of that, it's got information for your name, email address, and phone number. If you're not part of a service team here at Great Oaks, I want to encourage you to get part of one today. If it's your first time here, it's fine. Uh, you, you don't have to do this, but, but if, if you... If you've been here for a while and you're not serving, I would love for you to serve. So what I encourage you to do is put your name and information on there. When you go out in the lobby, there's all of our service teams out there. We have volunteers and staff out there. And you could just drop that card in a bucket next to the team that you would want more information about. Let me just give you this. You are not signing up for a service team for the rest of your life today. You're not signing anything in blood. You're just saying, I'd like more information about this team. And then some of our volunteers or staff will get in touch with you to figure out how you could serve as part of that team. I want you to know this is not about twisting your arm to get you to serve. This is about us helping you discover what Jesus has for you and your purpose. Second thing I want you to respond is if, if you're here this morning and you are facing some hardship, some difficulties, I want to encourage you to come forward. We're going to have prayer workers up in the front and I would love for you to receive prayer today. There's no shame in this. All of us have difficulties and heartaches that we need and so I want to encourage you to come forward if, if you need prayer over something. Let us pray for you. Let us be privileged to pray for you as we come to the Lord together. And then lastly, if you've got questions about Jesus, as I've been talking about what Jesus has come to do, if you've got questions, please seek one of us out. Find me. You can also scan that QR code. There's a box on there saying, I want more information on how to start a relationship with Jesus. We would love to talk to you about those things. So please respond some way today. Let's just pray. God, we thank you so much for this morning. Thank you, God, for the gifts that you've given to us. And thank you, God, for helping us and seeing us and wanting us to be part of this epic journey, God, that you have of seeing countless people come to saving knowledge and faith in Jesus Christ. And so, Lord, I pray that you would use us as you see fit. Help us as a church to discover our purpose and help us to get healthy in this so that we can come to life because we want to experience all that you have for us. God, I thank you for the, the ways that so many people in our church are already serving and serving in their giftedness. God, I pray that you continue to bless them in those endeavors as they do this. God, we love you. We thank you for the sweet, precious name of Jesus.